Hello everybody, get ready to ignite your marketing mojo because you've tuned in to the one and only GMP Academy. I'm your host, Eamon Tobacco, the Data and Measurement Partner Manager at Google, and I'm thrilled to have you back for another educational new episode. Now, let me introduce our special guest this week, the amazing Monica. With a decade of experience in both agency and client-side analytics, she's a true analytics aficionado. She's an analytics manager at Incubator, but you'll also find her working at MeasureCamp, on Measure Slack, and basically everywhere and anywhere analytics related. Today, we're diving deep into the exciting world of GA4 reporting. We'll be exploring different reporting services, discussing their unique purposes, and undercovering the best practices to make the most out of your data. So get ready for an engaging and knowledge-packed episode as we embark on this GA4 reporting journey together. Monica is here to share a wealth of knowledge and insights that will leave you inspired and ready to take your analytics game to the next level. So sit back, grab a cuppa, and let's dive into the world of GA4 reporting on the GMP Academy. So Monica, welcome, and thank you for joining us. How are you today? That is a monumental introduction. (laughs) Thank you, Eamon. Uh, And thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Um, a well-deserved introduction as well for all the great work that I know you're doing in the community or with Incubator to help your clients as well. It's a, it's a hot topic that we're going to be speaking about as well, Monica. So I hope you're ready to dive deep into it. It is. However, I have to mention, I've run a poll on LinkedIn asking people if they have heard of reporting services before. And 92% said, no, they've never heard of them. I also asked the question on Measure Slack, and people said that actually the first time that they heard about reporting services concept was um, two weeks ago, I think, or a few weeks ago when Google released the article describing them. So I think that people are not quite yet familiar with the concept of reporting services. So I'm hoping that our conversation will help others to explore what they are and how they can be used. Now, that's um, really interesting numbers, to be honest with you. And definitely, definitely, this episode here, I'm going to be hammering down questions on GA4 reporting, Monica. So I'm really grateful for having you here. And I'm sure that this will be a packed episode of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hope so, at least. And I have to mention, plug for Simo Hava. He likes to call them reporting membranes, and I love that term because it makes it a little bit funny and it makes it really stick in your head. So I would say we can try to call them reporting membranes occasionally. Well, if that does pop up in conversation, reporting membranes, it's reporting services and reporting membranes. (laughs) Do you know what? Whatever stick in the membranes, we can go with that. So let's kick off the conversation. So Monica, I guess let's just dive straight into this. And I'm going to start with the first question. Could you please tell me what you think about different reporting services? And maybe what type of questions would you use different services for? Okay, yeah, that's a monumental question right there. Uh, So I would like to first define what these reporting services are, because I believe that quite a lot of users, as we've discussed my LinkedIn poll, uh, don't are not actually familiar with the concept. And personally, I found it incredibly useful to remember where the data differences within GA4 are actually coming from. So 
what are these reporting surfaces? These are the standard reports, explorations, API, and BigQuery, four buckets, so to speak, which display data in somewhat different ways. So first, I will go through standard reports. I would say that they are working on aggregated data, they are pretty quick to compute, and they're really, for me, top-line reports. Basically, dashboards, which are meant to indicate if something is wrong, but are not quite the surface to dive into the detail in. I would say they are best for standard questions and quick trend checks. So for example, are my users, my conversions, my purchases trending as I would like them to or as I expect them to? Are there any changes to my top performing landing pages? Um, are there any changes to my top performing items? What are my most visited pages? Uh, what is my abandonment rate where after an ATSI card happened? So all of these questions can be answered with standard reports. Um, we can also compare trends. So how is the trend looking compared to last month? Is there anything that looks abnormal? Am I seeing the traffic spike following my promo launch compared to the period before the launch? Um, again, that surface, I would say, is really good to answer these quick tactical type of questions. Now I'll move on to the second surface. So the second surface is the API reporting surface. So what I would say about the API reporting surface is that this is a programmatic door to standard reports and management at scale. If you want to extract your data as it is in the standard reports, perhaps to keep a history, for example, of prices or really any other metric, or send the data to other sources, that is the surface to use. The way that we use it in Kivita, for example, we are able to extract the data and create bespoke dashboards that fit the client needs. Now, I mentioned this as a second surface because API uses the same aggregated data as the standard reports. So in my mental bucket, so to speak, these surfaces actually sit together. So now I will go into the third surface, which is explorations. So explorations, I use that surface if there is an issue, for example, or something doesn't look quite as I would expect, I would start my analysis most likely there. In my opinion, the surface is for driving deeper into the trends or issues surfaced in the standard reports. For example, if I want to mix and match my dimensions and metrics, this is the best surface to do this in. So questions like, on average, how many products were viewed by the users who landed on our promo landing page? That's a pretty complex question, and I would definitely start trying to understand what happened in exploration surface. What was this uh, number different to the general population or say my control group if I'm running a test, for example? So again, this surface, in my opinion, is really for slicing and dicing the data um, it's a bit more complex to use, perhaps, than standard reports, but it can drive a lot more deep analysis, so to speak. Now, finally, we've got BigQuery reporting surface. There, you can really do what your heart desires. You can flatten the tables if you want. You can score your data. You can bring in more information from other sources. You can create models and really Within the surface, you can do whatever you like, uh, analysis included naturally. 
Um, of course, you do need to know SQL to use this data. And so I would consider this an advanced surface. And yeah, that's how I would descri describe uh, the reporting surfaces and different use cases and purposes of them. Thank you so much. Um, that was a very detailed explanation. I let you take the mic on that to shine us with that knowledge. And it's actually great to see. And I love how you group the surfaces that are aggregated and which aren't. And I like the term there, your mental buckets. And I was just going to say, maybe we can start calling it mental or membranes buckets as well now for that sake. But um, no, thank you. Very clear and some very clear cases where they can be used as well. So very grateful for that information. Now we've talked about these different reporting services. How do we deal with the differences between the different reporting services within GA4? Let's say, for example, between standard reports and explorations. Yeah, reporting membranes. That's got to stay with us. SEMO <laughs> uh, is always in my heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to your question. So that's uh, indeed quite a challenging one. And it's certainly a focus for us as Incubator. So actually, we just released a white paper about it. So I will ask you to link this below this podcast so people can explore should they want to. The first question that I ask myself when I investigate differences in reports within GA4 is how big is the actual difference? Is it within the norms I would expect? If yes, then I might do a couple of quick checks on the metrics, but actually, otherwise, I'm just letting it be. So it might not be a popular opinion, and I do understand that this might make many people uncomfortable. But I've done my legwork. I understand the differences of data aggregation between surfaces. I understand that other things like Google signals or behavioral modeling might impact the reporting. So don't get me wrong. It makes me uncomfortable. I am an analyst at the end of the day, and I want the numbers to match wherever I look at them. But we're living in a world where not all conversions can be observed. Modeling is ever present and privacy regulations are likely to reduce that visibility even further. So, and this is also a process for me. And I am saying it with a little bit of a heavy heart, um, but I'm no longer in favor of spending a huge amount of energy investigating small differences in GA4. Now, just to clarify, before someone is really scared, if I think that a small difference is indicative of something being wrong, I would absolutely investigate further. That would also be the case if the discrepancy was significant or if a small discrepancy is actually leading to a very different outcome in terms of business decision making. And to be honest, I think that this is the most important point. What decisions is the business going to make as a result of both numbers? Is there an impact? If not, do I really want to invest my client's time to looking into it further? So in most cases, I would explain to the client where the differences come from and what is and is not within the norm. Then I let the client decide if they want to invest the time into looking into the numbers further or let it be. Now, if the difference is indeed bigger than I would expect, which surface am I working on? Are the two reporting, um, are the two reports using the same data? Am I using the same metrics? If different, what are the exact definition? What is the exact definition of differences? 
And if all fails, um, I'm lucky enough that Incubito is a partner of Google, so I can actually reach out directly to you to ask the question. So that's been very useful. Perfect. That's how I would say that we deal with it. That's a great explanation. And I like the point that you've mentioned that not all conversions at the moment can be measured. And this is where modeling and GA4 has come to town to try to deal with this issue. And I love the systematic approach in how you deal with these discrepancies or differences, as we like to call them. So that makes a lot of sense. But is there anything else you would consider now when working with reporting services? So how would you deal with discrepancies between UA and GA4 now? Um, so again, I'm in a pretty lucky position that at Incubita, we did 100 plus migrations. So we have the experience and we have the learnings and we know what to expect when comparing UA and GA4. So very much similar to the previous question. First, I check what is the actual difference and whether it's within the norm. If it is within the norm, uh, I ask further questions just to make sure that there isn't anything wrong. Are any other metrics not aligning? Are the discrepancies changing actual trends that we see in the data? If all these checks are passed, we work with the client to make sure they understand why we say it fits within the norm and what are the actual differences in metrics definitions. For example, for me, the most common questions are around users, sessions, and bounce rates. That's what clients ask me the most. So for example, users, GA4 is focused on active users versus total users in UA. So the metrics will be slightly different. Sessions, there is no midnight break in GA4, and new source medium does not trigger a new session. So again, the metrics will differ there. Bounce rate is calculated differently between the two tools. In Universal Analytics, a bounce was a single page session with no events, but in GA4, a session with more than 10 seconds would be considered a bounce. So at that point, it's really up to the client to decide whether they would like to invest more time in checking the details um, and, or if they are just happy with the current difference. Uh, now, again, if the difference is actually outside of what I would expect or there is anything worrying in what I am saying, that's a different approach. We do dive deeper into the numbers, check how many metrics are affected, what are the trends looking like. We run QA on tagging as well to make sure that it's not an implementation issue. Um, so we do do that legwork when it needs to be done. But to be honest, I would say that this is far less common. 100 plus migrations. That's a really impressive number as well, Monica. And it's really nice to see that the team at Incubator are busy with these migrations and helping clients move forward. And it's nice to see that you have a systematic approach in place on how to deal with these differences and discrepancies. I'll be moving on to my next question, which is, what do you think of the scopes, power and dimension reports in GA4? Right. So that's a big question again. Um, first, I would define scopes in GA4 as uh, logical dependencies of data. We have the event, item, session, and user scope. I personally love the event level scope, and this is, for me, in my opinion, the most powerful scope to deliver analysis of user behavior on site. Um, in Universal Analytics, it was a lot harder to use this scope. 
item level scope is naturally essential for enhanced e-commerce and user scope is extremely useful for activation reporting and to provide an identifier when we need to stitch events together in a logical order. There is also the session scope, which made uh, GE4 debut recently. Uh, it is incre incredibly useful because of how simple of a concept it is and how quickly it can drive decision-making. But you asked me, what do I think about the scopes? And they're from my opinion, so I will get a little bit philosophical with the answer. Might seem a little bit off topic, but bear with me. No, um, please go for it. You've dropped so many gems on us so far, so I'm sure it's only going to get better if I'm here. So shoot <laughs> off with that, Monica. Okay, so at the moment, we are getting a lot of questions about why data doesn't match, why certain metrics are not available for certain scopes, and why different reporting surfaces show different data when aggregated. Now I'm going to get a little bit philosophical with the why the data doesn't match and uh, what we should do about it, in my opinion. So in my opinion, GA4 tried to, at the start, distance itself from the data structures in universal analytics by not having a session and focusing on events. This was driven, in my opinion, by mobile-first mentality of Google, as well as the fact that users started operating on many devices, many tabs, on their phones at the same time, which was really hard to explain in, with a session concept. So I think that's quite fair, and a decision was made to not think about the data quite the same way. And therefore, GA4 was designed using a new methodology. So the event, um, event level data that was driven from Firebase, and that was released to the market. Now, Universal Analytics was, and I think still really continues to be, by far the most common tool used in the market. The vast majority of the analytics community, myself included, was educated by this tool and learned to think about users and visit data by analyzing the data within it. So the session concept is so ingrained in how we think about interacting with websites even if only the smallest percentage of businesses ever adjusted the session duration settings or accounted for the midnight cutoff. We spent heavy budgets on accounting for the fact that a new source medium triggers a new session within Universal Analytics, even if the previous session started 10 seconds prior. So I think for all its faults, session is a really powerful concept in its simplicity, uh, which is why I think that it came back to GA4. However, I do think that we should use it consciously. User journeys are not linear, now more than ever. Multiple tabs, devices, browsers, often single journey takes you out from your desktop if you are on desktop to your mobile. Privacy restrictions impact general data collection and modeling impacts data in the tools. So I think that these are good arguments to warrant, at the very least, being conscious with making decisions based on session scope metrics. As, a, as an alternative to this, we have the event scope. I think it is really powerful. However, I recognize that at this stage, for any business with a medium to high level of traffic, it actually also requires a high level of skill to harness the full potential of event level data given the cardinality restrictions in the standard reports and sampling restrictions in explorations. The best place to analyze event level data at scale is BigQuery, which does have an SQL scale barrier to it. 
the only way to tackle this is to learn the skill. And with multiple free resources available, simple examples and relatively low cost of BigQuery, all it takes is a few hours a week with an open mind to start using this power to drive business decision making. Thank you, Monica, for the details in that answer. And I completely agree with you in terms of GA4 did make a deliberate effort to differentiate itself from UA. And that is by moving away from the concept of a session and placing more emphasis on events. And I guess something I've talked from what you were saying as well is that we need to be mindful not to force old ways onto this new tool as well. Yeah, so, I would absolutely agree. It's, it's, it's really interesting always when a, a new tool comes out, um, we're kind of stuck in our old ways as well. And I think an interesting point that a lot of us miss is that GA4 is not an upgrade on UA, it's a complete different tool from to UA. It's a, like you've mentioned in, the, in your previous answers, different data sets, different data models that it runs on as well. Um, once again, thank you for the details explanation. And you've mentioned exploration is your favorite reporting service. So tell me why this reporting service is your favorite. Um, so Explorations is my reporting surface because a favorite reporting surface because it gives the freedom to explore at the same time providing very useful frameworks to structure the thinking, like for example, the templates. Um, so there are also so many powerful features Exploration Surface offers. And in all honesty, I'm sure there are features that I still don't know about. It is also balancing a low barrier of entry, so no coding is actually required with the high value that it can offer. So although Explorations is my favorite surface, the one that I also use the most, I do love to dive into BigQuery every now and then and brush up on my SQL skills. It's really fun to learn how to work with BigQuery tables effectively. And nesting is certainly a challenge, but uh, one that if you overcome it, it gives a really huge boost of satisfaction. Um, I wouldn't also disregard the standard reports. The level to which the interface can be customized is really impressive. And two companies can have really extremely different setup, which is, I think, pretty cool. Um, so yeah, to summarize, exploration is my favorite reporting surface, but all of them have a lot to offer. So I would say go through all. No, that's a, a great answer again. And thank you for explaining why it's your favorite, but I'm understanding as well now that every reporting surface has its own powers. And each reporting surface is going to provide the user with depending on what they are looking for. So it's interesting to see that even though I asked you about exploration services, you still had to mention the couple of other reports that were there. So I want to ask you now again, sorry, I'm throwing so many questions at you, but this is what the, the public wants. So this is what the public will get. With you working in the tool now, day in, day out, um, loads of migrations that you've worked on. Is there any other reflections on GA4 reporting, let's say in general now? Um, so in here, I would actually say that I've got a bit of a funny story that is sort of reflective for myself. Um, so I helped a few friends running their own businesses to set up GA4. And it was really interesting because those who never used universal analytics before were really happy with the interface, with the exploring, with changing widgets, with using insights. 
it felt really natural to them. Um, however, those who used universal analytics before, those were really comparing. So it's not just the numbers, because of course they had to do that, but they were really focused on not seeing the same metrics. Even if the final conclusion they took from both sets of numbers was exactly the same. So that experience was really a learning for me, like I said, uh, to try to really separate both tools in my mind and approach GE4 with a lot more open mind and a different mindset. So again, that for me really goes back to this is a new tool and we have to approach it with an open, fresh mind to get the best results, I think. That's a really interesting observation and a valuable insight, to be honest. I think change is uncomfortable. We we all go through change and it can be very uncomfortable for sure. But it's not uncommon for people as well who've been accustomed to using UA to compare GA4 with their previous experiences. But your, your, your story here is a nice one because it highlights the strengths of GA4 actually because it aims to provide a user-friendly experience as well for beginners. So on the topic of learning, change, development, what's your advice or next steps to people getting started with reporting in GA4? So um, it's my favorite question. I'll do plenty of shameless community plugs. So um, I will start with the resource that actually genuinely taught me the most about GA4, and that is Marketing Platform Academy. And I'll ask you later to link those as well below so people can actually explore uh, what we've put in there. Um, so there are great video resources there, which are recorded by the people who are actually working on the product. So what that means is we can understand how they think about the data and therefore how they structure their reporting as a result of this thinking. I mean, this uh, reporting surfaces concepts that basically was for me really well explained in one of those videos. So I would definitely recommend um, getting started with that. Um, the second place I would recommend is the Measure Slack community. So uh, you can join it at measure.chat. And it's really a great community where you can ask detailed questions and someone will help you out. So bonus points, you can actually directly reach to the likes of Simo Ahava, Tim Wilson, Julius, and many, many other names that I do not have enough time to mention, helping the community with GA4 challenges. Um, if you prefer in-person events, then you will find plenty of people to help you at your local Measure Camp. For a list of upcoming events, you can head to measurecamp.org and there's plenty like Paris is coming up next, London, Warsaw. So you are guaranteed to meet plenty of people with vast G4 experience and also other tools. If you are facing a particular challenge, I'm sure you will find someone to help you out on there. You can also run your own session and then you can harness the power of collective mind hive, as I like to say. And I think the final point would be to just Google it. There is a ton of resources out there. You'll find free Chris Sidon courses on YouTube. You'll find plenty of articles from Julius. And for technical implementation, there is the one and only Sima Ahava. Um, so it does take some work to learn about this new tool, but once you are familiar with it, operating becomes easy and it is very powerful. So I would say definitely do your legwork and give it a go. Thank you so much. There's a lot here that we can take on places we can visit, certain websites and 
definitely i think i know the video you're talking about on the gmp academy as well i'm a big fan of that it was michael and romaine yeah i'm the solution architects here at google great um, explanations of the reporting services as well and it's actually nice to know there's the growing community on measure slack elsewhere within the analytics world with ga4 loads of conversations happening about that as well so Definitely do keep your eye out on the GMP Academy. There'll be loads of new resources coming soon as well for GA4 reporting services and GA4 in general. And definitely I'm keeping my eye out for your white paper that's coming out. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that. And yeah, please head to Monica's LinkedIn um, where we can find that GA4 white paper when it comes out too. So to wrap up, We've uncovered some incredible knowledge during this chat with you, Monica, and we're really grateful. And it's hopefully going to assist a lot of the listeners who have been tuned in today. So we're going to include all the links to these valuable videos that we've spoken about and resources in the notes. Um, these resources, like mentioned, they're filled with useful insights and information that hopefully will greatly enhance your learning with J4. On that note, that's a wrap. Um, we've reached the end of our episode and I want to give a big shout out to our incredible guest, Monica. Thank you so much, Monica. You've literally rocked this episode and filled it with knowledge and with resources that we can pick up and take away. Your expertise, honestly, has made this episode truly special. So let's have a quick recap of what we've covered. Reporting surfaces like standard reports, explorations, API and BigQuery each have their own powers and purposes. They cater to different needs and users, from marketers craving a quick insight to data engineers diving deep into the raw data. Secondly, discrepancies happen. So when your metrics in UA and GA4 don't see eye to eye, don't panic, research, seek support, and remember that these two tools have different data models and data sets. Monica hit the nail on the head, when she said GA4 is like the cool new kid in town. It's got its own style, so let's embrace it. Be mindful not to force old ways onto this new tool and give it time to adapt and explore its exciting possibilities. So to the fun part, if you are looking for places where you can gain deeper knowledge on the topic, visit Google Marketing Platform for awesome video resources. Check out Measure Slack, a buzzing community with analytic pros who are ready to help you. And hey, if in-person events are your thing, check out MeasureCamp for some real-world knowledge exchange. It's a journey of learning and discovery. And remember, learning new skills take times. But once you master GA4, you'll unleash its incredible power to drive your business forward. So thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode filled with insights, laughs, and a dash of analytics wisdom. Stay curious, keep exploring, and until next time, happy reporting.